Hi, I'm Stage and Stage's Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to The Hamilcast. Boots and cuts and boots and cuts. <laughs> <laughs> everybody welcome back to the hamilcast this is jillian tonight i am here with scott wasserman hi everyone hi <laughs> so um long time listeners of the hamilcast now i'm just like that late night radio voice <laughs> right long time <laughs> listeners um you might remember scott from episode nine literally three years ago <laughs> so many years ago <laughs> before i'd seen the show you were so busy with a little show called dear evan hansen that we had to we were in the same skitty we were in the same city and had to Skype. Yes. And listening back to that episode, <laughs> I realized- I can't. I don't have the nerve. I can't listen to anything. Any pe- <laughs> once they're out there, as a fellow podcaster, once they're right. out there, you can't go back. Well, I wanted to make sure I wasn't repeating myself today. So I listened back and I realized we were in tech at second stage for Dear Evan Hansen. Oh so it was God. still off Broadway at that point. So a lot has happened since lot. I talked to you last. I know. <laughs> and now we're face to face. And it's just, I, I was saying before, like, not to be a dick about it, but I have more knowledge now, not only having seen the show, Mm-hmm. But having to spoken, having spoken to so many people mm-hmm. who have been singing your praises and knowing really a hundred percent exactly what it is you do and like freaking out over things. Do you see that card, by the way, Hip Hop Horse? Yes. That, oh, that's amazing. That is from Autumn Clark. I have to uh, text that to Lack, but that's about like you and Lack and Will Wells. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes, the Hip Hop Horse is one of those little Easter eggs in the show yes. that gets a lot of <laughs> I know giddy attention. Yes. <laughs> I have to give props to Will Wells, who is uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. He's someone that I met on Bring It On, as a matter of fact. And we, we gave Will a couple of projects that I think are, are his finest work in the show. Um, the first one is uh, The Hip Hop Horse. <gasps> so in Right Hand Man, if you listen, if you listen closely on Guzz and Horses Giddy Up. So in, in Lynn's original demo, the horse neighed, and it was just very, very like just simple, true, real horse neighing like this. Right, it's just like oh, a straight wow. up like you, hear, like you really hear the horse snorting, and it's it's like really like I said, it's just very like okay, that's a horse, right? right. Uh-huh. And then we had that in there, and then one of the ideas, and it might have been Nevin Steinberg, our, our sound designer. Yeah, and he's like, you know, that horse is cool, but like, it's like, can it be more hip hop? It somehow? can be cooler. It can be cooler. <laughs> yeah, like you know what's cool. A billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so we gave that sample to Will and we're like, Will, can you make that horse sound more hip hop so that it sounds more like a DJ would be scratching it or messing with it? So this is what Will did. And got rid of the snort at the hip-hop end. Exactly. Hip-hop, the hip-hop, hip-hop, hip-hop horse. Hip hop horse. Hashtag hip hop horse. I'm going to sing your praises also myself and let people know exactly who you are. <laughs> okay. So you are the Ableton programmer for Hamilton. Also known, you're DJ Buttons, really. DJ Buttons. Okay. That's the nickname Lynn gave me. Right. So. Is that an S or a Z? With a Z. With a Z. Okay. He confirmed that on Twitter recently. Oh, he did? Okay. Because <laughs> I always went with Z. I wanted to make sure I'm I'm good with that. So Ableton programmer for Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, and The Great Comet. Yes. And you also had a hand in Escape to Margaritaville, the 2012 revival of Annie, Leap of Faith, 
King Kong, The Greatest Showman, The Tony Awards, a little thing called 21 Chump Street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And uh, a show called Invisible Thread that Michael Lawaye told me all about when he was here. Yes, that's where I met Michael. And he's one of the most incredible actors yeah. I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing on stage. And well, yeah, that too. That yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps that he's just the nicest person. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. That's so cool. So you've just been around this whole scene forever. Yeah, my involvement with Hamilton goes back to 2012 uh, when I was working on Annie with Lacamoire. So oh. it's it's been a long road. Yeah. Well, <laughs> can you... Because we're... Oh, also, you have a podcast called Song Salad. I do, yes. So when you first came on, we... Well, we Skyped. Mm-hmm. And then our podcast kind of started around the same time. Yeah. One, One two, two, three. three. Welcome to Song Salad with Shannon and Scott. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. And together, we we take a random genre of music and a random Wikipedia article and attempt to toss them together into a short song. Like an opera about insurance. Accident insurance, the craziest full thing I ever heard. Or a grindcore song about fjords. Or a rap metal song about a London bus route. Bust up bros, I got my bust up bros. This is the route I chose. It's always weird, and you just might learn something. Every Monday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Song Salad Cast. Play us out, Scott. But I just love that we're both podcasters and we both have the the stock answer like when we're home from the holidays and we haven't seen <laughs> relatives like for a year to the day uh-huh. and you have to explain what a podcast is. Like it's radio for the internet. Exactly. <laughs> if you were to explain Ableton like that. Oh yeah. What exactly is an Ableton programmer? So Ableton is an electronic music playback software and that's probably the easiest way to describe it without getting into more detail than that. But programming Ableton for theater basically is integrating electronic music with a live orchestra. Right. So you program everything that can't be played by the orchestra. Right. Like hip hop horse. Like hip hop horse. Yeah. Right. Anything that either can't be played by a live musician in a way that can be replicated eight times a week, you know, mm-hmm. Um or anything that needs to be put on the track because of the just physical limitations of the the space, you know, is for instance, the percussionist might not be able to have six timpanis <laughs> in the pit orchestra at the Richard Rogers Theater. So we need to throw a little bit of extra timpani on the track. You have a much harder job. Of, so you have like, what's a podcast? Also, what's Ableton? I what's only have one of those. Yeah, what's a timpani? I asked Ian Weinberger that. Oh my God, what a nightmare I am. Um, and he was like, well, just the nicest person being like, yes, I will explain it to you. Um, but yeah, now you have two things. Instead of like, podcasting is radio for the internet. Then yeah. you're like, Ableton is all the things. Yeah. I just... Everything I do requires explanations. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so good at it though i try and <laughs> thank you no you are you're i mean amazing so i just want to like talk about yeah your whole story how did you even become like is this can i go to school for this like how did you even become an ableton programmer yeah. tell me your whole story like what's so, your birthday i want the whole thing <laughs> i was born in connecticut so it started in a snowy September 27th. Oh, a crisp fall morning. Crisp fall morning. I think my mom was watching Jeopardy when she went into labor. Perfect. I don't know. Um, skip ahead to... That, that's the story now. That's the Scott Wasserman canon now. Your mom is watching Jeopardy. And, uh, okay, so how did I become an Ableton programmer? I grew up 
performing in theater, you know, doing musical theater, doing all of the community theater shows, doing theater camp every summer. And I was also a pianist since I was five years old. Um, My older brother, Dave, started taking piano lessons and I was like, I want to do that. And then took piano lessons too. And then he quit and I kept going. It was one of those stories. And uh, when I was deciding what I wanted to do in college, I knew that I loved acting, but I thought that was something that I could always continue doing as something that was a hobby in my life. And I didn't necessarily want to make it my college major or turn it into a career. So I decided I wanted to go to school for music and decided specifically on composition. So I went to Carnegie Mellon for composition and their program is classically oriented. It's like a conservatory style program. Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit of music technology education that goes on, but it's not extensive by any means. And it's not like up to date, or at least it wasn't up to date when I was studying there. The programs that I was learning to use for electronic music design weren't the same programs that I was hearing about when I moved to New York and started realizing it was something that could be done for theater. Yeah. So uh, I studied classical composition, kept performing in shows, kept music directing and directing shows in college for our student theater group, Scotch and Soda. And (laughs) then... I moved to New York um, after doing a summer of Gilbert and Sullivan on Cape Cod and then living with my parents for like four months, substitute teaching and bartending to make money to move to New York. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I started working on children's shows in Westchester County, like playing music directing elementary school musicals and uh, doing coachings for high school students that were trying to get into college musical theater programs like um, with this group called MTCA where I would accompany their voice lessons and work on repertoire for their auditions. Cool. And through that and through connections I made in New York at the time and other Carnegie Mellon grads, I started dipping my toe into actually working on shows in New York. So that started out either as a pianist or doing transcriptions. And the transcriptions are one thing that like really ended up cementing my work into Hamilton. So I'm like super grateful that I got this experience when I first moved here. But transcribing... I'm sure people have talked about transcribing on this show before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing, because yeah. I, I always want to hear it like from what your perspective is. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sure I've heard about it. One, I didn't even talk about the cocktail. When you said scotch and soda, I was oh, like, yeah. oh my God, I'm so nervous <laughs> that Scott Wasserman's here finally. Because I feel like I know you. We've been in touch for right. ever. And like you, I played like a, a trailer for your podcast last summer. Uh-huh. You were like, do you want to do an ad swap? I was like, I don't have an ad, but fuck yeah. I'll put the <laughs> song salad um, trailer in the top of my episode. Thank but, you for that. Oh, of course. Oh my God, please. I, I love it. It's so it's such a cool thing. I learned so much, oh, by the way, about all these. Like I was like... Mike, I'm now learning about like monks from the 1300s. No big deal. Right? That's the thing about song salad is that it sort of tricks you into learning. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, but we're drinking. So you like uh, gin based bitter things. I do. So we're drinking the DJ Buttons bitters. DJ Buttons bitters. <laughs> yes. So raise a glass. You have raise like the, the fancy rocks glasses and Cheers. there's a whole... Uh, decanter where that came from this is great all right transcriptions didn't need to cut you <laughs> off but when you said scotch and soda i was like i cannot believe i forgot about the freaking cocktail uh so yes transcriptions yeah so transcribing is when you listen to music and put it on the page mm-hmm. so there are a surprising number of composers that 
don't write down their own music. And this was something that having studied composition in college, I was like, how is this possible? Because I'm like Do such you mean a... write down physically? Like... Either write it down physically or like put it into music notation software on the computer or whatever. There's a lot of composers that just don't do that do they record it or they'll just record demos yeah oh that would be crazy those demos get sent to someone who can transcribe them and that gets turned into sheet music got it so like i said when i first moved here i didn't know that was a thing and it was a skill i developed in college and actually like i was a big nerd in high school and like i would come home from school and as like a fun after school activity i would be like let me see if I can write down the overture to Jesus Christ Superstar. That is honestly one of the coolest things. I've and ever I would just heard. like write it out. That is <laughs> so. so cool. And I, I, is it cool? I, think I don't it's know. Super cool because it's one of the. It's like I don't know. It's like trying to solve a puzzle and trying to figure out if you can. That's exactly get it right. why I, I like think it. it's super cool. Yeah, that's exactly why I love Who it. Who said it was nerdy? Uh, give them my name (laughs) or give me their names i'm gonna go find them how dare they no i i always enjoyed it and i thought it was like (laughs) whoever said that probably still wants hamilton tickets uh, right exactly (laughs) we can withhold so uh i met a lot of people that were in need of this service and started like advertising myself as a transcriber both for actors who needed like this pop song written down so they could use it for an audition the next day sure. that kind of stuff like those if the sheet music didn't bars, exist those, right yeah. if you didn't want to like get the music notes version which wasn't necessarily the same oh key God, or whatever notes. you know yeah so i did that for actors and then also for composers um and that was my main job on leap of faith my first broadway show mm-hmm. which was transcribing music that alan menken wrote <laughs> so he alan menken would send me emails with like himself playing the piano and singing songs and i would write them down and send them on to the music team oh. and mm-hmm. uh then on annie i sat next to alex lackamore at the piano this is when i first met him was on this show and andy blankenbuehler was the choreographer mm-hmm. of annie mm-hmm. so alex being the dance arranger on that show was sort of making up dance music on the fly based on what andy was <laughs> experimenting with for choreography and because lack was busy working with andy and responding to whatever he was putting out for the choreographic ideas he needed me to sit next to him and write out whatever he was playing so that we had a record of it so you know we'd be in (laughs) hard knock life oh my god (laughs) yeah we'd be working on like hard knock life and andy would be like we need a 16 bar dance break right here and alex would make something up and i would write it down and then if we liked it, we'd keep it. If we didn't like it, we'd change it. And then I would print it out and give it to the other rehearsal pianist so they knew what the dance break was going to be that Alex had just created. When you say write it down, do you mean write it down by hand? Or is there a program where you can write it down quickly in that moment of improvisation? Yeah, a program on the computer okay. called Finale. Oh, yes, of course. Yep. Um, I say that only because I've heard about it. Not yeah. like, oh, yes, of course, I use that all the time. No, I sure. didn't mean it like that. <laughs> yeah, writing it out by hand would be... You know, in, in some ways, it might be quicker because you can just go straight from brain to page, sure. you know. But with Finale, there's enough like keyboard shortcuts and tools, and you yeah, can no. even like pro- plug in a little like mini keyboard and do note entry with that or yeah. whatever. My mom still says I'm going to tape that show when she means like record it. Yeah, so exactly. it's that same kind right. of like when you say write it down, you just mean like make a record of it exactly. in some way. Yeah. So I think it was that skill that like kind of put me on Lax radar in the first place. We just got along as people too. Yeah, that helps. Uh, and he asked me because of that 
skill to work with him on the workshops of Hamilton because Lynn was making all of his demos in Logic, which is another software program where that you can write out demos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I started transcribing those demos that Lynn had made in Logic and giving them to Lack so he could arrange them. So that was the initial relationship I had with Lack for the start of Hamilton back okay. in 2012. Right. So Yeah, because both Deanna and Kurt have told me that you were there like from the very beginning. Yeah. In those rooms, in those workshops at the public. You know about the slippers probably. I Lynn's do know slippers. about the slippers. And it's so good. Kurt brought up the slippers without having, because Deanna's first episode came out the day he came over. Uh-huh. And he was like, I might be misremembering, but I feel like there were slippers. And I <laughs> screamed. I was like, oh, that. I had to like pull the mic away. I was like, Deanna just told me about the slippers. Um, so, but I love hearing about that time and like how you basically, because you had to learn Ableton back in those days right so like the workshops were happening so walk me through that because Mm -hmm. that seems scary and awesome it was both (laughs) of those things what was it more (laughs) it was more awesome okay great i think you know the hindsight of all of this and like trying to put myself back in my own headspace of what i was thinking about when we were doing these workshops i do remember thinking that Hamilton was cool and it was going to be like an interesting show, but there's no way of knowing what a phenomenon it would have become. So the reason it was more awesome than scary was because I didn't have the pressure of this is Hamilton. You know what I mean? It's going to happen in two years from now. Right. Yeah. But you still have Alex Lackmore sharing a a piano bench with you being like, so can you make this like hip hop horse happen? Yeah. True. (laughs) What what do you say to Alex? You just say like, okay, you just (laughs) make it happen. Yeah. And that, you know, that was always my philosophy of getting jobs in New York was say yes and figure it out later. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like my whole, to quote Charlie Brown, like that's my new philosophy. Like yeah. that's that's it. <laughs> that's always been, yeah. Right. And within reason, you know, you have to know your own limitations a little bit. Right. But Don't get crazy and don't get weird. Right. This is all for like team no chill. Like you can be team no chill, <laughs> but don't like give everyone their personal space. Like don't be weird about it. Uh-huh. And also like... If there's something that you're feeling passionate about, dive into the deep end, tread water, figure it out. Exactly. But if you're like getting pulled by a tidal wave, maybe like yeah. look for because this was still like within the realm of my learned experience. Sure. You know, like yeah. I had used different electronic music softwares before for other purposes, um, and I knew a little bit about hip hop, but not nearly as much as I know now since working on Hamilton. So but, you weren't like a hip hop fan. I mean, I listened to it casually, but I wasn't right. one of those people like Lynn who could say, you know, this drum groove sounds exactly like West Coast hip hop well, from nineteen ninety three. You know, a like very rare percentage of people. Yeah. Well, I had never tried to create hip hop either, so okay. I think that's a good line to draw. Sure. Yeah, because like, you were a classical. I was a yeah a classical student yeah. through college, and in the world of musical theater, it had all been that like kind of poppy Disney style musical theater kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Those kinds of shows (laughs) that I've been working on, like a little bit of like pop rock kind of shows and like nymph things and off Broadway things that I worked on. But this was my first foray into hip hop and like true electronic music design. So, and it, it was actually a little bit of an easy, like slow entry into getting to the point where I was actually using Ableton for Hamilton too, because in those first workshops, we weren't really at a point yet where we could program Ableton in the way it is now because 
that would have involved the songs being too settled, if that makes sense. It does. The The songs were changing so quickly in those first workshops, like the structure, who was singing what, what, like how many verses we were going to do, you know, adding in uh, music breaks or whatever. So I first was just using like a little physical drum pad that had like one button was a kick drum, one button was a snare drum, one button was a hi-hat, and we would just like figure out the groove underneath the song and I would play along with it. And then it got to the point in the summer of 2013 when we went to Vassar College Mm -hmm. um, for the New York Stage and Film Workshop where we were actually doing a full presentation of Act One for an audience. This was the first time we had ever brought anyone who was not like part of the family of producers and investors and creatives in to see it and it was at that point that we set things enough that Alex was like let's figure out how we can incorporate Ableton into this and I had never heard of it he had heard of it through some other shows had used it I think um, Kinky Boots had used it Mm -hmm. Ghost had used it and I think he had people friends of his that he knew uh, recommended it Um, but he hadn't learned much about it either I think he might have taken a Berkeley online course. Of course he did. In Ableton. Of course. When he was over <laughs> and explaining that you guys learned it together, I was uh-huh. like, oh, so it was the two of you like like, like going through the manual. And he was like, not even that. We were just like pressing buttons and like oh, yeah. just hoping, like just seeing what we needed and just right. learn by doing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I can talk more about this, but I think because of that, because I was brand new to Ableton and just like making it work, I was able to design the flow of the program mm-hmm. in a way that worked better for musical theater than the software itself is intended to be used for. You didn't have to if unlearn that makes anything. Exactly. You just learned it the way you needed it to right. go for you. Totally. That makes 100% sense. And I guess sense. just to like take a little step back, sure. in case anyone doesn't know, Ableton was created as a DJing software. So it wasn't a software program intended to be used for theater. It was mm-hmm. intended to be used for like people in clubs and like for house music, techno music, that kind of stuff where you can... Uh, loop music for a certain amount of time and then add another element to the beat and take it away, change Mm -hmm. the tempo, change the key. So it's meant for live performance, but it wasn't intended to be used like eight shows a week, (laughs) you know, same exact flow Mm -hmm. of the music. Right. There are other programs like QLab or Pro Tools or Logic that can be used more steadily for those purposes, but Ableton in itself without some enhancements doesn't really work that way. Got it. What are those enhancements? So, <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were going to go a different way. I'll, can we we'll come, come back? back to that? Okay. We'll come back to okay, what okay. the enhancements are. All right. I got to do the, the Kurt Crowley thing and just get my notes app <laughs> and just write down. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. Okay. So enhancements continue. So that summer at Vassar, most of the content that we were putting onto Ableton came from Lynn's original demos of the songs because Lynn was making the demos in Logic. He would include his like mock-ups of whatever groove or beat he wanted in there. And I would extract those elements, put them into Ableton, which can be used as a way to like organize different parts of the beat for playback for the structure of the song you want. And then we would edit all of those elements from the original demos to either make them sound more like a certain hip hop genre or fit the song in a different way or change the accents or put in dropouts. Like, you know, in my shot, when he says, enter me, the beat drops out Mm -hmm. suddenly under it. So there will be a revolution in this century. Enter me. He says in parentheses. 
a lot of those moments came about in the rehearsal process as like, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if the beat dropped out under this and weren't part of the original demos, you know? So that all had to be done like on Ableton after the fact. Right. You know? Yeah. So it was a lot of that process in the yeah. beginning. Well, you said Vassar. Yes. And just before we get, because I know we're going to get <laughs> further down the story. Yeah. But Vassar is when you apparently played Samuel Seabury? I did. According to Kirk Crowley, and I believe everything he says. So <laughs> if he's a liar, I just don't feel like that's true. He doesn't make things up. No, right? No. Okay, you played Samuel Seabury. I did. And I had played him once before. Uh, I we I, We did a reading of the show in May of that same year right. before the summer workshop at Vassar, where I also played Seabury. But there was no audience at that time. So, well, I think you know. it's funny because I was thinking about it today and I knew spoilers, you guys. I kn- the only thing I knew that you had brought over uh-huh. uh, or was because, you know, when I, I was like, oh, hey, like, feel free to bring over like lack approved stuff uh-huh. when you said that you brought the Seabury thing. And I was thinking like when people say like you played Samuel Seabury, <laughs> like these workshops are kind of closed door things. It's not like you played Seabury like yesterday. Right. It's during a workshop where people are working things out. And exactly. People want to he- like Lynn and, and Alex and Tommy want to hear like, what would this sound like? Or can mm-hmm. I stage this says Andy probably or whatever. Right. right. So in that first reading where it, oh, we it, still want to hear it. You brought oh, it. Oh right? yeah. I brought okay, it right. yes. in the first reading where I first sang it. Uh, it was Tommy Kale's idea, if I remember right, because the group of actors that we had at that time for both that May reading and for Vassar was just enough actors to cover the principal tracks. We didn't have any ensemble at that point because, you know, there was no choreography. Right. Any of the vocal arrangements that were being done could be handled by any of the principals that weren't in that scene. Yeah. So it was like a smaller, tighter group um, of just those principals. And there was no one among those principal characters that fit the character description (laughs) of Samuel Seabury. (laughs) All right. So there was that. Say no more. (laughs) Uh, Lack knew that I had a background in performing uh, from college and all that. And I had sung, I was a voice minor in college. So he was like, yeah, Scott, why don't you, you could sing the Seabury thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. This was just like at the piano while working something out. So I sang the Seabury part while Lynn rapped. And then Tommy was like, Okay, great. Do that for the the presentation. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did it at that closed door reading in May, and then we get to the summer of Vassar, and the same exact thing happens. But this time we have like an audience of people at New York Stage and Film that are coming in and auditioning the show, basically, including I remember uh, <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr. And Nicolette, his wife, came as audience members well, for that Vassar reading. So they saw me play Seabury. <laughs> and Leslie went to, I was going to say, uh, Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. Leslie went there. Josh Gad went. Uh, uh-huh. Carnegie Mellon is, you guys, I mean, you guys do good yeah. stuff over And there. Leslie and I did Leap of Faith together, too. He was in the Broadway cast of that. Leslie, so. I mean. And Nicolette was an invisible threat. It's a very small it's world. It's a very, I know, I know. I didn't want to get into, I mean, I wanted to talk about you, but it's like the, the invisible threat is really, yeah. truly, like, no pun intended, but also all the puns intended. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone is really connected. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay, so. So. For the Vassar workshop, <laughs> I was playing the beats. I was using Ableton uh, and triggering all of the beats on Ableton using a little tiny keyboard. Mm-hmm. Did I bring it? Did you? I brought it. <gasps> oh my God. 
This little itty bitty keyboard. That's like a keyboard, like a Casio keyboard that I used to have when I was little. <laughs> but not even as cool because there's no built-in sounds. It doesn't work without a computer being attached to it. I did not try so. to compare my Casio keyboard <laughs> when I was like, I did not, <laughs> don't even say not as cool. It's not. What kind of wire do you need? I probably have one. Oh, I have one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> of course so i had this tiny little keyboard i had it hooked up to the laptop with ableton on it and i was using basically each key of the keyboard can be assigned to play back something different within ableton so like the low c on the keyboard can play the kick drum or the c sharp can play the snare oh. drum but then you can also have the d play an eight bar loop you know an eight bar drum beat can you so, also do that on your keyboard on the computer you could assign keys but on, is it just easier to on do the it keyboard like on but the... yeah especially because i am a pianist yeah, it yeah. was just easier for me to navigate like sure. playing rhythms on totally. a piano You're rather talking than to someone on who keys edits on her keyboard. podcast on in final cut 10 just because that's where the muscle memory hey, is so yeah whatever works i, I get you so for that workshop i had all of the keys on this keyboard program with different sounds and different beats and at the right time, again, sitting next to Lack when he was at the piano, just like hitting go and hitting playing along with the beats. And then when we got to Farmer Refuted, I stood up from behind my tiny little keyboard, walked out on stage, <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, and then <laughs> sat back down and kept playing beats. Yeah. So right, because you were at work. Yep. Like exactly. it's so funny to look back on it, where like Kurt's like, "You didn't know that," and I'm like, "What?" But it's like it does kind of make sense. You guys were all in the room. You were all using the resources you had. Yeah, exactly. It's like the babes in arms thing of like, let's put on a show in a barn. Let's do yeah, it. You know, see what happens. It. Yeah. So I guess my question is, Scott, are we going to hear it or or not? Yes, I have a recording, <laughs> and this this recording is actually from that May reading. Okay. Um, May twenty. May twenty thirteen. <gasps> Uh, and you'll hear me as Seabury. And the other thing I want to point out to listen for is mm -hmm. the difference in the piano arrangement. It's not the Scary Harpsichord <gasps> solo yet. It's like Lynn's original version of what he wrote out for the piano before Alex Lackamore arranged it for the harpsichord. Okay. So I think I'm take ready. a listen. Okay. Hear ye, hear ye. My name is Samuel Seabury, and I present to you three thoughts on the proceedings of the Continental Congress. That was Seth Stewart Seth as Mulligan. Stewart. Yeah. So he was around from the beginning too. That old chestnut. In various roles throughout. Yeah. And then ended up playing various roles on Broadway. Yes. So he's amazing. He was the amazing. first cast member to ever be on this podcast. That's awesome. I know. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's great. I yeah. just saw him in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, also, wait, wait, wait. I feel like you're trying to distract me from talking about <laughs> your vocal prowess. Oh, thanks. You killed it. Thank you. Killed it. Were you on the little <laughs> Apple box or were you just there? Oh, no. We were, everyone was just like yeah. at music stands and chairs standing oh God, around. So it. no staging at all. Just standing just, and singing. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Yep. <laughs> is it weird for you to listen to it now? It is. is it? It's very weird for you to listen to now. <laughs> One, because I don't really sing anymore. Um, other than on song salad. I was going to say, that, <laughs> mm, 
why are you lying to me, Scott? <laughs> I was listening to your voice all day. Uh, you totally sing. Just in a different way, I guess. <laughs> Depending on what the week, right. what you're doing on Song right. Salad. And also just because like at this time too, Lynn was famous, but he wasn't famous the way he is now. Yeah. So having this recording of me singing with Lynn was just like, oh, that was funny. I sang with Lin-Manuel Miranda from In the Heights. Mm. And now it's like, Oh yeah, that guy that I watched in Mary Poppins on Christmas Day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we I can talk about I can make a podcast about Mary Poppins returns. I loved it. Were you it a Mary so Poppins person when you were growing up? I was. Uh, yeah. Me too. My first crush was Dick Van Dyke. Like That's a good I, first crush. <laughs> he's like my favorite Columbo villain because uh, he goes against type. I also love Columbo. It's a whole thing. Scott, well, we can totally get it. Let me tell it. you my this is a really big tangent. But, yes. Uh my family connection to Julie Andrews. Okay. All right. And this actually All does right. tie in with Hamilton too. So <sighs> my grandmother janice wasserman who's my dad's mother grew up in england and her father uh was a vaudeville performer his name was charlie tucker and he went by tucker the singing violinist and he would sing and play the violin and uh his wife was an opera singer my great grandmother and we have recordings like very early recordings of her singing like gilbert and sullivan <gasps> uh, that are like sound all scratchy on the vinyl oh, and all that so cool. and uh my great-grandfather, after his vaudeville career, decided he wanted to become an agent and started taking on clients. And one of his first clients was a very young Julie no. Andrews. And Julie Andrews and my grandmother were good friends growing up in London. And uh, my family moved from London to New York. And Julie came at that same time. Julie. And <laughs> Julie, <laughs> well, you say. I've never met her. <laughs> I've never met her, but uh, my grandfather managed her when she first got her start in the U.S., and then she ended up dropping him and going with a different agency because he wasn't big at that time, you know? Um, but there was that family connection to Julie Andrews. Then, <gasps> fast forward to Hamilton going to London. I have a playbill from the Victoria Palace Theater featuring Charlie or the uh, Tucker the singing violinist my <gasps> great grandfather so i got to work on hamilton in the same theater that my great grandfather performed vaudeville in this i i i i don't know <laughs> this oh my god yeah kind of surreal super surreal and now Lynn's and mary poppins which is kind of a tangential yeah. <laughs> connection but and i played liesel in eighth grade so really yes. it all comes together <laughs> that is amazing yeah. to be in that theater and like all those years later right How and cool. i mean it's obviously been fully renovated since then but still, still like in that same airspace yeah. in that same yeah it was radius. very very special oh my god yeah okay so then after Vassar, is there more about Vassar? Uh, the only other big thing to take away from Vassar mm -hmm. was that it was the first time I ever saw the movie The Room. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Exactly. <laughs> and Lynn was the one that was like, we need to have a room viewing party because like so many of us hadn't seen it and he was a huge fan of it. So one night after oh, rehearsal, we all went back to Lynn's like bunk at Vassar and we all watched The Room together and uh, that was just an amazing experience <laughs> and then like later on i ended up seeing it in the theater like with lack and lynn and tommy wiseau was there like at <laughs> one of those like rocky horror style at, yeah exactly at sunshine kind of... cinemas when it was still oh open. my yeah. god anika nani rose was there with us at the time oh, oh yeah, hi lynn was, that's gonna be the time. thing now oh hi lynn yeah <laughs> oh lynn, he'll appreciate a, it what a story lynn <laughs> <laughs> what a story scott <laughs> We, we quoted it so much through the next like few readings oh. and workshops well like, that's that is why then remember that like april fool's thing 
that came out a year or two ago where it was like like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, it was like, I, I don't know if musical. it was like Playbill yeah. or Broadway World He's, or someone. I think someone. he tweeted a picture of us all watching it at Vassar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was a it was a great cast at Vassar too because we obviously had Lin. We had um, Utkarsh, UTK from yeah, Free Solid Supreme as Burr. Let's talk about me, baby. Another uh, podcast. I'm just yeah. all about shouting out the podcast. We had Josh Henry as Mulligan slash King George. Mm-hmm. And then Anika Nani Rose. And yeah, it was just, just a great group of people. Yeah. It was fun. Okay, so after Tommy after Wiseau Vassar, yes. and after Vassar the room. in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm probably skipping some steps in the process, but I remember we did one more just small studio reading and i think that was the one where leslie odom jr joined and we incorporated more of the show more of act two because like i said vassar was a presentation of act one and then a couple songs from act two just i think we did what did i miss take a break and say no to this and that might have been it heavy hitters for act two (laughs) i mean my god i mean that's like that's it all we did was that's the other thing that's kind of incredible about lynn and about hamilton is that so much of the original material stuck because mm-hmm. with so many shows you can replace entire songs totally. you know week after week yeah in the preview process or whatever but with Hamilton like Lynn just wrote so much that of course we had to cut some stuff but like the bones of what he created for the show all stayed that's what Alex was saying um, do you want to be part of the Kirk Crowley the podcast that I'm starting with Kirk Crowley which is just Alex Lackmore appreciation yes okay, definitely cool yeah I think we already basically have that as a text thread, but they <laughs> don't, sure. Yeah. Or every episode I've ever done. Yeah. yeah sure. That too. Cool. I'm in. Cool. So yeah, we did that additional reading focusing on material from act two. Uh, I remember specifically the cabinet battles being introduced. I remember the third cabinet battle, which ended up getting put onto the mixtape. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked at that time. I mean, what was it like watching those battles be introduced? Like the thing that struck me the most about it. And that still impresses me the most is just how much, information and plot and history gets packed into these just cool rhythms and rhymes you know yeah that was the most impressive feat i thought in how lynn introduced those rap battles yeah i remember washington on your side got introduced at that time Mm -hmm. uh and i think room where it happens as well i'm you know the memory is fuzzy at this point but yeah that was the main point of that workshop and then the one after that was the slippers (laughs) workshop right so now we're at the public (laughs) now we're at the public in new york city exactly the first involvement of the public and the uh first time we added a full ensemble to the piece right we added kurt crowley (sighs) which was amazing uh so we had lack on keyboard me on the beats and kurt playing everything else on the keyboard at that time and and I think Kurt talked about this specifically too, but we added the whole end of act two in like the last day. And I, as I mentioned before, was doing most of the transcribing of any new music that Lynn was writing. Mm-hmm. But because the timeline was so compressed for that workshop, I was busy playing beats and rehearsal and couldn't transcribe any of the last stuff that Lynn was giving in so a friend of ours adam kaufman who is the keyboard player at waitress uh, he's also friends with lack and is a great transcriber so lack called adam last minute like that day and was like are you free today and he was like yeah (laughs) what are you doing right now lynn is gonna send you like six songs so can you imagine getting a call from alex lackamore what are you doing today? Right. Hold on. Well, you always say nothing. Uh, No, you always say I'm available. Of course. And when he calls you, that's the thing. Like, uh, Alex and Tommy, they're like phone call people. They are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always think I'm in trouble. Uh, (laughs) I've learned a lot from that though. And I'm trying to become more of a phone call person because of them. Yes. It's just so much 
quicker, easier, more effective, and right. there's no gray area in like what anyone means about anything. A zillion like, percent. Yeah, and I great. say that, I should amend that a little bit because it sounds like we're talking on the phone all the time. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but it was pre their, um, their recordings where mm-hmm. like Alex especially was like, uh, let's talk about the equipment and what can I bring? And because he brought this whole setup, as everyone knows, because I've I'll, I talk about it basically every episode. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, we we are in touch a lot. But during those phone calls, when it's like Alex Lacamoire is calling, and I'm like, do I do I I, I answer it right? Like, yeah. of course I answer it. But like, what? <laughs> um, but I just can't imagine that phone call. Like, what are you doing today? Great, because Lynn Manuel Miranda needs you for this new thing that's happening. Yeah. Like, I don't care where you are. You get yourself there so of course adam said yes yeah and the cool thing about it for me was that it was the first time in the process of doing all of the readings that i was able to just sit there in the rehearsal room and all of a sudden sheet music gets printed out and handed to me and here's a new song that i had never seen or heard before and it included things like the finale of the show so of course i'm just like playing beats and crying you know (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying playing beats and then you're just doing a finger move down like you're pressing something so this is where dj buttons comes from yes Yes. (laughs) so when i play the beats i'm using my little keyboard and i'm just hitting like one note at a time to trigger either a sound or a sequence of things right uh and especially in those early days when I just had like the actual drum pad, which was physical buttons on it, I became DJ Buttons because sure. that's how I make the sounds, just pressing the buttons. DJ so Buttons with a Z. That stuck. <laughs> but then there were things that you created, like sounds that you developed mm-hmm. through this program, right? Yeah. I mean, everything that I created was based on something else that had been created and, and it was like changed or tweaked, if sure. that makes sense. So like if there was a certain uh, like record scratching kind of a sound, like um, here's a good example of something that changed recently, actually. Okay. So, Oh, I was going to ask you that too. Like how often do things change? Not often, but when they do, it's very exciting. Great. (laughs) So this is in Right Hand Man. Oh my God, I love Right Hand Man. Which is one of the coolest songs ever. This is right after the uh, incoming section and then the battering down the battery going into Let's Steal Their Cannons Shaboom there's this sound playing uh, right into that big cannon blast on the downbeat after Shaboom so we call that the ghost sound when we were in London I believe it was Lack was like I wonder if it should be going the other way because it's this ascending sound into a cannon blast. What if we made it go in reverse so that it's like (laughs) the cannon was falling, right? Uh So I changed it for London to be this. So now that's in London and all the tours and Broadway, but not on the album. (laughs) (laughs) But it still just makes logical sense. Right. When you're at the show, when you're in your seat, when you're listening to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to miss it when I'm listening to the album. Right. It's such a subtle detail. But it's not a shade thing. It's like it makes sense in the moment. Like Mm -hmm. you guys and Bill Sherman, everyone agreed. And like Questlove, everyone was like, that sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Record, put it on wax. Great. But now in the moment where you're seeing the show, it works then too. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) 
as far as like changes that are going into the show now, that's a good example of a small change, a uh-huh. subtle change that is going in. Uh, any of the other changes that are happening are really based on the company of actors. So the tracks are connected to a click track that mm-hmm. the band is listening to, and that's keeping the tempo of everything steady uh, for each show. And the actors in each company can have their own like timing and stretch and flow and like idiosyncrasies that sometimes are like cool enough that we want to preserve what they're contributing to the like timing of the show. Uh So there'll be some moments depending on the company we're in where I'll change like uh, the slightest tempo of something uh, to fit the way an actor is delivering a line. And one of the ways that this stands out the most or one of the spots that this stands out the most in the show is during the final dual soliloquy that Hamilton gives mm-hmm. because that's such a personal rap yeah. at that time. And there, there is no beat. And no there's melody. like, there's a beat. <laughs> yes. <There's> a <laughs> Thank beat. you. Come on, Scott. Welcome to the Apple <laughs> There is a rhythm notated in the score. Sure. But the actual tempo of it is sort of left up to the actor playing Hamilton and the only guideline is don't get so fast that the dancers can't keep up with you, basically. Right. <laughs> so what's happening musically during the final soliloquy is only the sound of wind and these sort of like reverse metallic swells, right? And the percussionist is the one that's triggering Ableton throughout the show. And the conductor cues the percussionist to trigger these uh, swells on Ableton um, and their cutoffs based on the rhythm and the tempo that the Hamilton is delivering at that time. So the speed at which these swells happen sometimes need to be changed based on how quickly a Hamilton is delivering a section. So for instance... um, So if I were to play it, what's mm -hmm. on, like the instrumental, right? If I were to play that moment, the soliloquy, Mm -hmm. it would be different than what is played... What time is it? Oh, you guys are off. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, Monday. But Monday. what would be played during the show? Because it's timed? Yeah, the timing of it is, is going to be different almost every night. And with every Hamilton, just because of the freedom that they're given with that rap. Uh, one example is a place where even orphan immigrants can leave their, leave their fingerprints and rise up. You let me make a difference. A place where even orphan immigrants can leave their fingerprints and rise up. I'm running out of time. I'm running and my time's up. Wise up. Eyes up. On the grints of immigrants, a Uh place where even orphan immigrants, that's a trigger for the percussionist to cue one of those swells. And then the next trigger is on rise on the downbeat of the next bar, right? Choreography too. And it's all choreography and it's all like, not to a click track because no one else is playing an instrument at that time. Right. So we have a place where even orphan Emma cut off, right? Some of the Hamiltons go a place where even orphan immigrants can leave her finger, right? So I needed to make it go rather than just right. So I needed to change the timing of how long or short that swell happens because if the swell is programmed for a Hamilton that delivers that line slowly, you're not going to get the feeling of a crescendo through it. You're just going to hear cut off. If you have a Hamilton that's delivering it fast, you need to compress the length of that swell so it happens you know, in the amount of time that they deliver that line. So in the rehearsal process for any new company, that's what I'm listening for, are moments like that where I need to edit 
the pace of those things to fit that actor. And then it's, you know, it's obviously going to be different with a cover, but in each company, the assumption is that the covers are going to do it similarly enough to whoever is the regular Hamilton that it's going to be close, you know? But for a new company, it's like worth changing those moments. In my experience, Hamilton's tend to deliver that section the same way right. performance after performance. They'll act the shit out of it maybe differently or they'll mm-hmm. do something, but just to hit that. The pacing and the rhythm of sure. it tends to be similar Got it. for each performance, but can vary depending on the actor. Got yeah, it. Exactly. Um, so here's what one of those swells sounds like. Okay. So the start of it happens in the example I gave on like immigrants uh-huh. and then the cutoff that you heard those sh- at the end of it yes. is on the downbeat. So that's one standard tempo of it that, a Hamilton could be delivering that line in, but I could change it so it has this tempo and it's that quick and it's done. And if that tempo fits that Hamilton better, that's what we'll go with for that company. The percussionist doesn't have to change a thing that they're doing. It's just a change in the programming. Really? Yeah. Yep. There are so many of my listeners who have traveled actually around the world to see different companies. And, yeah. and I've been so fortunate enough to, to see different Hamiltons and and different different many roles but Hamilton specifically because we're talking about this last moment right um to me it's just like oh my god they're they're nailing it I didn't know that like (laughs) there's of course more magic and more sorcery going on below the stage that I did not know that the conductor has to pay attention to the pace they're giving the percussionist is following the conductor on when to start and stop them but the actual pace of the swell is dependent on the programming and that's what I change depending on the company that's unbelievable so so those are two examples of things that that tend to change also in London um, there was a change that happened just because of um, equity rules we had to re-record all of the uh, programmed vocals, any of the ensemble vocals. So, right. for instance, the um, what in Right Hand Man, <laughs> you know? I'm sorry, the, what? The what <laughs> and book, 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 like all of those. The blow us all away thing had to be re recorded with the London cast instead of using the new york actors voices that were chopped and screwed and edited for those purposes for the track okay so i was going to ask you about this so Mm -hmm. angelica and satisfied yeah or uh burr with the teacher preacher uh-huh that happens in the moment right so when wait for it that happens live in uh satisfied it is pre-recorded by each actress playing Angelica and Eliza, and it's actually sound the sound department's responsibility to load up whichever file for whichever right, actress is happening that, that day. But any of the ensemble sounds, those like group vocals. Like ladies. Exactly. Those were done with the original Broadway cast and are on the Ableton programming with the vocals from the original Broadway cast in every company except London. London. 
London has their own that they recorded. Got so it. we had a really fun night in the studio with all the cast in so London, <laughs> re-recording all of that stuff. And like, especially when you're recording them going, what, what? <laughs> and then Alex Lackmore walks up and he's like, can we do it now more like you're, uh, you know, getting shot at? And they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> what? And they just what? And then we're like layering those right. different <laughs> together. And he's like, now the man I want you to pitch your voice is higher. What? Well, just what? more like, like you're being <laughs> shot at. Can you be shot right. at? <laughs> But it was so much fun. It's like Lack and then Nevin Steinberg and me. Oh and God, we're just like, please, yeah, what a dream. it was so fun. Uh, but yeah, so just because I, I think we, we talked about this or I had read about it or whatever. But the idea of like the moment in the wait for it in, mm-hmm. in the wait for it now. I'm like everyone's grandmother. <laughs> it's <laughs> so just like the podcast Facebook. again. Like, yeah. Yeah. Podcasts are radio for the Internet. Everybody. <laughs> now I'm like that person. How's your pod show? How's, yeah. Where can I watch it? Where <laughs> yeah. can I watch it? Do you get that all the time? Well, where you know, I, I actually it? I asked my dad. I was just in, in Connecticut at home this weekend. And I asked my dad, I was like, how do you listen to my <laughs> podcast? What does your dad say? And he was like, oh, like the Apple podcast app. Oh. And I was like, great. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Yes. That rules. I, I was expecting him to say, like, well, someone uploads it to YouTube, and then I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Theodosia writes me a letter every day. I'm keeping the bed warm while her husband is away. He's on the British side in Georgia. He's trying to keep the colonies in line. Well, he can keep all of Georgia. Theodosia, she's mine. But during Wait For It, uh-huh. that happens in the moment, right? Yes. So, and that's the responsibility of the mixer. So Justin or ALC, like, you know, any of the mixers on the road, they have to have their finger hovering over a button, waiting for Burr to say the word, capture it, release, and it plays back. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. I'm so impressed by them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for everything they do, but for that in particular. Yeah, be- because they're doing a zillion other things. We were talking like before mm-hmm. we recorded about how uh, being in ALC's spaceship, uh-huh. and everyone listening knows exactly what I mean by that. <laughs> uh, and if you're new, go back to listen to Annalie Craig's episodes, and she's amazing. She uh, works the sound booth, and that sound team is amazing. Mm-hmm. And Nevin, please come over, and Jason, please come hang. Oh, yeah, you um, got to get them. Oh, on. no, I can't wait. I can't Maybe wait. Maybe at the same time. That would be wild. That'd be rad. <laughs> oh, my God. All three of them in ALC? Oh, that'd yeah. be so cool. But, um, ALC is sort of, she is not an octopus, but it acts <laughs> like she has so many, uh, her hands are, it's like a ballet watching her do it. It's amazing. And that's why like so many people think that those elements are on the track and wait for it because yeah. it sounds so precise, but it's done live. It's, it's great. I'm willing to wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. My grandfather was a fire and brimstone preacher. Preacher. There are things that the homilies and hymns won't teach ya. My mother was a genius. My father commanded respect. When they died, they left no instructions, just a legacy to protect. Okay, so the two of us just got back from Puerto Rico, kind of. Yeah, you I got back a week ago, one week things. ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you helped set up the show there, yes? I did, yes. For I the actually NYP tour? I rehearsed with the company here in New York for the whole time they were 
here putting it up and mm-hmm. then went to Puerto Rico for three weeks with them. Yeah. Look, it was my first time in Puerto Rico. Mine I too. I miss it. I want to go back. I love it so much. It was awesome. It, it's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, mm-hmm. before we all went there, yes. <laughs> we all know I'm part of you guys, uh, the sits probe. The sits probe, yes. <laughs> Everyone on Twitter was like, Jillian, have you seen this? Because they know Yorktown is my favorite thing. And, uh-huh. you know, Alex did that like Tori Amosified, lackified Yorktown outro for the podcast when he was here, and it was amazing. Uh-huh. But um, Lynn was posting all of these videos from the Sits Pro. Yes, he was. <laughs> which is, uh, well, why don't you explain it? Because you were there. Yeah, so Lack has this awesome tradition of at every Zitz Probe, he likes to showcase... Well, explain the, what a Zitz Probe is in case people don't know. Yeah, let's start there. A Zitz Probe <laughs> is a chance for the actors to sing through the show with the band in the same room, but not on the stage, right? So you can actually be looking at the musicians that are going to be playing the show with you, hear them live in the room, and get a sense of what it feels like to be singing with the orchestrations rather than just a rehearsal piano and beats, which is what they've been used to for the whole rehearsal process prior. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing because the love is just bouncing. It's like a pinball machine where the love is just like, doesn't know where to go. Yeah. (laughs) Because the actors are just like standing up and cheering and the musicians are excited and it's- And it's it's always the strings. It's always the strings (gasps) that the actors freak out about and rightly so because that's like, it's such a unique element to the orchestration of Hamilton in particular. You know, people- least expect the strings and then when you're standing in the room watching this quartet and in puerto rico that band it's an all-female quartet oh, which I is know. great oh uh and the the actors always just like melt when they hear the strings yeah. it's great yeah it's like it's like everyone's favorite team just won the world series yeah every time ever it's like oh the drums the this the that the strings everyone <laughs> is just like fuck yeah they right. all it's just the coolest thing and Black has this tradition of at every sits probe highlighting what each section of the band is doing during the Yorktown dance break. So this time Lynn filmed each of the band members playing their section of their their orchestration in the Yorktown dance break. And then uh, the string section. So let's do all four of you guys together as a group. Please. Ready? And then at the end of it, so on the track during the Yorktown dance break, there's this whole record scratch sequence that Will Wells created. Mm -hmm. And I'm there as the Ableton programmer responsible for making sure all the tracks are playing back as they should. Doing your job. Doing my job. (laughs) And Lack wants everyone to hear the record scratch sequence too. And I just hit play on my laptop because... That's all mm-hmm. I need to do, DJ buttons. And Lynn starts filming me and puts the camera like right in my face. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm not. What are you eating, Scott? <laughs> I was eating a salad. Right. Okay. Yeah. On brand. <laughs> <laughs> I was eating a salad. 
I had a short dinner break and yeah. just, you know. You were adorably mugging for the camera. You were just like pointing at the salad, pointing at the yeah, computer. Like, like, what do I... I didn't know what to yeah. do with myself. After and... we just heard the drums, the bass, the guitar, <laughs> These the people string like section. Sweating, just... <laughs> playing the drums and like laying it all down. And I'm like, one Press. button, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the record scratch yes. sequence. But yeah, that was, that was fun. <laughs> so the, the secret ingredient, uh, let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, hit it. <laughs> Lynn also posted something <laughs> about he posted a photo yeah and it made me laugh so hard and he said it made him laugh so hard so you have a I mean, do you want to just tell? I'll I'll, I'll let you. I'll tell. tell it. Yeah. So this was on Lynn's birthday. I just tweeted at him, "Happy birthday!" Uh, is it GIF or GIF? I never know. GIF. I of... say I say GIF. <laughs> GIF. Let's Some say GIF. Some people go back and forth. I I'm a, I'm a GIF person. I tweeted him a GIF of all of the Reynolds pamphlets being thrown at him, <laughs> and, and, and like... said, "Showering you with birthday wishes." Like, <laughs> and that's an excellent. He tweet. replied, like you know, commented, uh, replied on the tweet. Thanks, but now I'm going to tell everyone what you did. I was like, I think I know this, what this is about, but if I don't, this is bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? So he then tweets about how in the Sits Probe, uh, our conductor, Julian Reeve in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. has a sign that says, Suck Less Thanks, that was gifted to him by the guitarist, Dave McNabb. And uh, well, it looks like an old, like in 1980s, like in a John Hughes movie, like with the principal on the desk, like, yeah. Thing. And it's suck less is very big, uh huh. And then underneath it just says thanks. thanks. <laughs> so Julian uses this in the pit sometimes when he conducts because he conducted the whole first year of the Angelica tour and now he's in Puerto Rico. How does he use it in the pit? He just well, like, places yeah, it. If someone plays a wrong note, he'll hold it up to the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> So that was sitting on the table in front of me because I was sitting like right behind where Julian was playing. Got it. And Lynn had like screwed up a line earlier or something. And then he stands up to start singing Stay Alive or start rapping the beginning of Stay Alive. And he and I kind of like locked eyes for some reason. (laughs) And I just picked up the sign and held it up to him slowly. (laughs) And he started laughing and missed his entrance. So he outed that moment on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it actually almost got more attention than the Zits Pro video. So. <laughs> thanks. I just love yep. that thanks, thanks is so small. Thanks. So I have to thank Julian for the sign. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Julian. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Fam, I know it sounds like Scott and I covered a ton of music stuff, and we did, but just you wait until next week. I can't believe how many Ableton gems Scott brought over. I'm so grateful. Scott, thank you so much. So in episode two, we break down Tendul Commandments, which has an Ableton solo, the Rewind and Satisfied, the Reynolds pamphlet, fun details about Blow Us All Away, a super gorgeous detail about Wait For It, some stuff about nonstop. I mean, you guys, it's out of control. I love when it's musician o'clock, don't you? Okay, I'll talk to you so soon. I love you. Thank you for listening. I'm G.Pen.
Pebblecast is brought to you by my love of the thing, TM, and my complete lack of chill. Please join me in raising all the glasses to Sir Alex Lacamoire for generously making my intro music and this custom Yorktown arrangement that I will never, ever get over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To become a Patreon peep and get the chance to ask questions to guests, get tons of behind-the-scenes access, and join the best, kindest, and most welcoming corner of the internet, go to patreon.com slash thehamilcast. I love you guys. Thank you. Hashtag Team No Chill. I'm at The Hamilcast on all social media, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Residuals is my web series with my husband, Mike. You know Mike. And can be found at theresiduals.tv. True Crime Obsessed is my true crime comedy podcast with my podcast soulmate and Broadway royalty, Patrick Hines of Theater People and Broadway Backstory fame. Thank you again so much for listening. It means the world to me. To the revolution! revolution!